Hey, everyone, and welcome to the All It Takes a Goal podcast, the best place in the entire world, including all of Canada, to learn how to build new thoughts, new actions, and new results. I'm your host, John Acuff, and today I'm joined by David Nurse. Who's that? I'm so glad you asked. David Nurse has been transforming the way hundreds of NBA stars play on the court for most of his career, which is why he wanted to talk to me. He was like, I definitely see some potential in John Acuff's NBA career. In fact, his method was dubbed as training athletes of the future because of his ability to teach them how to tap into different mindsets and become unstoppable. He's written two best-selling books, runs a successful motivational coaching business, and is a highly sought-after speaker hired by companies like Dell, Salesforce, ESPN, and the NBA to help thousands of employees and athletes develop unshakable mindsets. I'm big on mindset. I wrote a whole book about it called Soundtracks. And he was recently named as one of the top 50 keynote speakers in the world by Real Leaders and ranks as the youngest speaker on the list. His two books are titled Pivot and Go and Breakthrough. So Pivot and Go and Breakthrough. Thousands and thousands of people have read his books and love them. And today we get to have a really fun conversation. We've never met. Like we've only, it's one of these friends that like, We text with each other, we're on Instagram, like we know a lot of the same people, we have a ton of overlap, but we've never actually met. This is our first face-to-face, at least virtually, conversation, and it was super fun. I can't wait for you to hear it. But first, a quick message about the sponsor of today's episode. Every year, I set crazy big goals, and every year, there's one productivity tool that I use to help me reach them, the Finish Calendar. I've been using it for over a decade, and it's helped me crush goals like running a thousand miles in a year, growing my business, and writing a New York Times bestselling book. Thousands of people have bought them over the years too. Why? Because it works. It's not magic, it's science. Study after study has shown how important tracking your year is. But my favorite came from the University of Kostanz in Germany. They showed that when you track when and where you're going to work on something, you double your chances of success. Let me say that again. You double your chances of success. This calendar is massive. It's beautiful, it's motivational, and it comes in paper or dry erase. On top of all the other amazing features, you can choose to display it vertically or horizontally because this bad boy is also double-sided. If you've got a big goal or a lot of big goals, grab a finished calendar today at finishcalendar.com. Once again, that's finishcalendar.com. All right, let's jump into my interview with David Nurse. All right, David, I'm so glad you joined me today. I get to ask you an opening question to this podcast that I've never been able to ask any other guests. I've had 100 episodes um, but I've never been able to ask this guest this question, and it's so specific to what you do. Do you think you could teach me how to dunk? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm honored to be the first one asked this question, and uh, I'll give you an honest answer. No. <laughs> oh, Sorry. No can do. <laughs> this is It's a funny question that you ask this, because a lot of people will say, hey, yeah, you can develop this type of athleticism where you can dunk and I think there's there's only a limit to what you're born with athletically in the in your vertical leap capacity I did all the things back in the day John I was walking around in jump soles which were supposed to make my calves stronger I squatted a lot everything that I could barely touch the rim and basketball was my thing and I'm six foot two so 
to oh, answer. Oh, that's so, that's such bad news. I really yeah. thought there was a positive mantra you could teach me where I could like, I believe I can fly my way to tomahawks. Well, well here's actually the, the other part of the answer. It depends what size, what height of hoop. Like we could roll <laughs> down to, to seven foot and then I could oh. definitely help you. Dude, and, and I asked that question. People heard your intro about all the NBA work you've done. You've, you've worked with more than 150 NBA players to teach them, coach them, help them get better at their game. So that's why I asked that question. I was afraid that was going to be your answer because I like Bono. Um, I'm only five, seven and a half, and we've both really tried to accomplish a lot in that frame. And I looked it up once and there's only been seven players in the history of the NBA that have been my height or shorter. And they all had names like Muggsy and Spud. And I was like, I bet. But dude, I love that you were so honest right out of the gate. Tell people how you even got involved in the NBA because it's such a, it's, it's such a, a world unto itself. How did you first yeah. get involved in helping NBA players, being around the NBA? How did that happen? Yeah, and, and good news for you too, John. Three-pointers are now bigger than two-pointers by far. So, like, you do actually have a shot. Just, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I saw know. that Mark Wahlberg movie. He made the NFL. So I feel like anybody there can keep chasing that dream. That's funny. Yeah, so, I mean, my whole life was based on playing in the NBA. I grew up in a small, middle-nowhere cornfields town of Iowa, and all I did was pour into playing basketball. Like, I had no backup plan. Grinding my way to play college basketball at Western Illinois, still thought I was playing in the NBA. I go play overseas in Australia, Greece, and Spain, and to be honest, it's more like the Will Ferrell semi-pro league than it is actually getting close to the NBA. But here I am putting in two-a-days film study, development, optimization, and the rest of my team is just worried where the party is at and they're drinking beers at halftime. It's like the second division league in yeah. the middle of nowhere Basque region of Spain where So you're watching game film in the Basque oh. region of Spain and you're oh. like, I gotta yeah. get ready for these opponents and they're they're off drinking and being like, We we play in the Basque League. Why don't you pump the brakes a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch Will Ferrell semi pro and that was basically my life. Okay. So here I am thinking I'm still going to play in the NBA. No backup plan at all. And I get cut from this team. So it's, it's basically like all my hopes and goals and dreams are turned upside down. My face is rubbed in the dirt. Everything How old were you? For me, 24, 24. Okay. So yeah. your whole life have been aimed toward this one destination. You're yeah. Putting the pieces together. You've put hundreds and hundreds. You've done the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing. You're working it. You're working it. You're working it you get called into an office in Spain? Like, how does that happen? Yeah, I remember vividly. We actually walked out of the first preseason game and into the, the the mountain air, beautiful scenery up there in the Basque region. And I'm thinking here, like, wow, I just played a great game. Like, dude, I'm gonna, this is awesome. Coach calls me over. He speaks English. And he just said, David, like, you can't cut it. We're going to send you home. And just it, it just dropped in me, man. Like, uh, my parents are phenomenal parents, but I wish they would have told me to have some kind of backup plan if basketball didn't work. Yeah. So I come back and I'm living on my parents' recliner chair, literally sleeping on the recliner chair in Kansas City, feeling bad for myself for six months. And here's the game changer. So my mom would always say these motivational and inspirational quotes. And it was usually whatever, mom, in one year, out the other year, not paying attention. But I was kicked back in the chair. She was doing dishes. And she said, David, when one door closes, remember this exactly where I was at. Four doors open in an entire beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. And I remember thinking, like, what? I thought it was like one door, one door. What's this? This four doors and beachfront patio. And 
it, it, it hit me right there where I, where like like this is an opportunity. Like everything that I poured into my life to play into the NBA, it, it's mm-hmm. not for it's it's not gone. It's not lost. It actually teaches me for something greater, more doors to open. These doors being okay. Now I'm going to use what I learned playing optimization film study to coach players who had more God-given ability, seven-foot height, and coach in the NBA. So that all sounds great. You're probably thinking, yeah. you listen, like, oh, great stuff, David. I didn't have any connections at the time. Like, I had zero connections yeah. in the NBA. So I decided I'm going to handwrite a letter to every NBA GM. Hand-wrote a letter, every NBA GM, mailed it out. John, I got nothing back for literally a month and a half. Nothing, not at all. So that's all. like 0 for 32? There's 32 teams, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's 32 teams. I better be right on that. But I yeah. think it's 32, dude. Let's say it's 32. I, saw, I sounded confident when I said it, right? <laughs> you sounded so confident. <laughs> I didn't even want to think about it. Okay, even if there's not, there's, yeah, there'll be an expansion team by the time you listen to this this uh, podcast. So nothing back. I kind of rented it off. I was like, all right, well. Then I get a call from, it was the GM of the Los Angeles Clippers at the time, Gary Sachs. And we just had a normal conversation. And he said, at the end of it, if you're ever out in L.A., look me up, we'll grab coffee. Basically, like, good luck with the rest of your life, yeah. kid. But to me, I took that as, okay, I'm doing that. So I, I booked a ticket to L.A. to be out there the next week. I stole some of my parents' money. I spent all of my money to act like I had a basketball camp so I didn't look desperate going out yeah. there. I prepare my butt off for this meeting. We hit it off, man. We had a great conversation. And literally every connection that I've got in the NBA has stemmed from Gary Sachs. When I move out to L.A., I end up living with him for six months. He's in my wedding when I get married, all because of the random chance of taking this risk of writing these letters to GMs. That's how everything stemmed. Now, now I didn't just sit around and wait for like, hey, give me a job because I've got this relationship with you. I figured, okay, I've got to figure out a way to get in. How do I make myself so valuable that I'm not banging on the NBA doors and saying, hey, I'll outwork everybody else. No, everybody says that. I wanted to make myself valuable so they wanted me. So I, all I could do was shoot. When I played basketball, all I could do, I couldn't jump, you know, and I mm-hmm. couldn't do that, couldn't play any defense. So I developed these these shooting basketball camps and these basketballs. I, I custom made them from China with this white line down the, stri- down the middle so you could see the rotation. Now they're horrible leather, China, terrible decision getting them from there, whatever. So they got shipped to the Oakland seaport. I live in Kansas City. I drive 29 hours to Oakland with all these big, massive truckers around. I pour them into my little car, into the trunk in the back seat, and I spend the next five years of my life doing basketball camps for anybody that would take me in. I literally lived, I lived for six months in New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico, doing basketball lessons for a junior girl in high school whose parents had just won the lottery, $12 million in the lottery, and they needed a tax write-off. John, that's what I did for six months. I slept on friends' couches who didn't know I was their friend. I slept in well-lit Walmart parking lots. But I loved it, man. I loved yeah. it. So we'll fast forward five years. I wake up, Melbourne, Australia. I'm doing a basketball camp down there, and I get an email. It says, Brooklyn Nets shooting coach. Now, I didn't know anybody in Brooklyn, so I literally thought this was probably spam, something. I don't know. Someone's playing a joke. But I open it up, and the next week, I was a shooting coach for the Brooklyn Nets. Five years, I made it, baby. Half a decade from I'm sitting on the recliner, I send out letters to a bunch of people, only one yeah. dude responds, and then 
New Mexico, you drive like oh. the vi- the vision or the visual of you like at a at a shipping dock loading <laughs> basketballs into a small car, dude. That's a, I love that. I absolutely love that story. Were you always motivated like that? Was I mean, like, were you the kid that like at four you had nine paper routes and like you were like the go getter always, or has it been a gradual progression, or was it? The reality of, oh, Spain just ended. Basketball, me as the player just ended. I'm stuck if I don't do something. Like, how did you get into yeah. that level of, you can say hustle, motivation, positivity, whatever. How, how did that happen? Yeah, I think it's a byproduct of a lot of things. I think it's one, a byproduct of my parents always encouraging me to go for my goals and never saying, hey, David, you can't do it. Even like the NBA, they could have very easily said, uh, David, that's, that's not a good dream, like play tennis or golf or something like that. But they encouraged me. So always believing and having that, 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 that love for my parents that I could, I could go for it. And then I also just had this, this thought of, man, like if they can do it, if somebody else can do it, well, why not me? Like, like somebody has to do it. There has to be some players in the NBA. There has to be some NBA coaches. Like, why can't I do it? And I just figured like, well, Everybody seems to be around me. This is when I was coming back from Spain and deciding what I wanted to do. And I'd look at my friends who just got these jobs and, and they'd always be complaining about it, how miserable it was. Like, why would I want to do this? If everybody yeah. else hates their life and hates their job, like, why don't I do something I want to do? So I think it's a, it's, it's kind of a byproduct of that. But the biggest mindset to have is the why not me mindset, not. Not why me or why is this happening to me or why could I ever do this? No, why not me? Because somebody has to do it. Might as well be you. Well, and and I saw a video the other day you did on Instagram that I thought was really interesting. It was a clip from a speech. We're both public speakers, which is so fun that we have that in common. And you were talking about tallies, the power of tallying up something. And yeah. I thought it was and, – and I get the sense of we're, we're fast-forwarding – a lot of work, a lot of awkward conversations, a lot of driving across the country, a lot of, I, I now manufacture basketballs. Like, I'm sure that wasn't a button. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like you just yeah. did, like, there was one button you pressed and all of a sudden basketball showed up from China. Like, I know yeah. that was challenging. I know there was paper, there's always paperwork involved in good dreams. So mm. explain your concept of tallies, because I think that there are a lot of tallies in those five years. Oh, totally. So the tallies, it's one of the main tools. And I'm really big on giving actionable tools to anybody that I work with or any talks. You know how important it is for people to actually have hows to take away, not just the inspiration and motivation, but the hows. And the tallies, the, the it's basically the preparation that you put in. So it's the confidence developed through the preparation you put in. So think about this. If you literally at the end of the day, just make a tally in a journal on a piece of paper in your notes that you did one thing, maybe it's the smallest thing, to take a step towards the goal that you want to get to. So I'm going to give you the example and play out the story of my wife we were talking about earlier, uh, producing a movie, producing a television show and a movie. And this one was the show, and they've been working on this for, for three years. So fast forward, when she started working on it, I was telling her this, because this is one of my tools I've been using for years, and she started taking tallies and tallies. But she got hit with things different directions that she didn't know was coming, thought they had it booked, like sold. And then another thing swooped underneath three years of just hearing no's, hearing rejections, hearing this isn't going to work, hearing all, but she would just make a tally. She'd do one small thing a day. And three years later, boom, 
She looks back at these tallies. She sees everything that she's put in. She has the confidence to continue to go, to continue to pursue it, and it sells. These, these tallies are reminders that you've put in the work. You are growing to get there. And I don't know exactly what the quote is, but it's something like, well, would you give up if you knew you were two days away from your success or one day away from your success and you put in years? Of course you would not give up. And these tallies are reminders that you're close. And I'm a big believer on this. God's timing is so much better than our timing. Like he doesn't let us have things happen super quickly because we wouldn't be ready for them. And it's kind of my story with the Nets as we will proceed on to that, how I got fired just right after I got that job. I wasn't ready for it. I was, but, but back to your point, the tallies looking back on them give you a lot of confidence that you put in the work, you prepared, you can step onto that stage or wherever you're stepping out to with a lot of confidence. Well, so you hinted at that, get fired from the Nets. How, how soon do you get there? Cause I think people like to ask the question like, Oh, you've arrived. Like there's, there's this belief that's taught sometimes that you get the one opportunity that changes everything and you only need the one opportunity or you have the thing go viral. And I always say like, well, tell me what the double rainbow guy is doing right now. And no, no, it'll be like, well, he was able to parlay that into like, no, he wasn't. It was, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like one hit isn't enough. You get to Brooklyn. You're the shooting coach there. How long are you there? How soon do you realize, oh, okay, this is, I'm over my head. Like, I don't, what was that like? Yeah, man. So I thought I'd made it literally. And, and we went from 28th in three point percentage. So bottom of the league, basically to second in the league in three point percentage. And I'm getting all this New York media. I'm like 28 years old, getting all this hype and pub. The GM says, we're going to do a three year deal extension. And I'm all excited. Like I made it. I was in the NBA. I'm, I'm in for good. At the end of the year, we get a new head coach and just how it goes in sports. When a new head coach comes in, everybody's out. Yeah. So just like that, that door is shut, slammed in my face again. But what my great mom, the philosopher Socrates herself said, when one door closes, four open, the entire beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. And once again, it was like that is that led me to an opportunity of came out to Los Angeles. I meet my phenomenal, way cooler than me, beautiful in so many ways, wife. Wouldn't have met her if I was still coaching in New York. Wouldn't have been able to do public speaking, write books, yeah. or even cooler than coaching in the NBA is when NBA players come to you asking you for help. So it's it's like, I think life is just like this long hallway. And we're walking down this long hallway. We open a door to the left. We learn some things in here. We, we see what's in there. Okay, all right. Boom, next door, we learn some things in here and we continue growing, we continue learning. It's not just a one time I made it. It's not just a one opportunity. It's a compilation of everything you've learned along the way that you get to the end of your life and you're like, man, I, I, I made a huge impact. It wasn't just one thing defined me, but it's the people that I impacted defined me. And I think that's continuing, continuing to pivot in your life, really. Do you think, so you, that job, the door is shut. And I've seen that happen to a bunch of my friends who are coaches. It doesn't matter. Like it's a clean house and it's you're yeah. out the door. So that job ends. What, how do you get to LA? Do you decide like, or, or how do you even get back up? Cause there's a lot of people that go, and that's when I got stuck and I became, I took a different thing and I was stuck for four years. Like it's so easy to get stuck in moments like that. How do you not get stuck? How do you get to LA? So my friend reached out to me, he coached UCLA, Steve Alford. And he said, just, Hey, come on out here. 
You can work with our players that are going to prepare for the NBA. And, and I've been working with before the Nets with some NBA players individually on their skill sets. Like, okay, great. So he basically, I mean, another thing to the point that we talk about it is the the people that you know, the relationships that you build is how you're going to grow anything that you're doing. You're never going to have a an amazing, what a career life without the people around you. And every single Yes, I don't think I've ever been in a job interview, really. I think it's all been through connections. It's all been through personal interactions. So Steve offered gives me this opportunity. And I realized like, hey, actually, this is what I love doing. I love helping players individually. I love helping them on their skill sets. And then it started to grow. Then I was like, well, okay, well, how can we make them even better? It was like, okay, their sleep, their nutrition, their total optimization. And then it got to the point of, well, actually, it's the mindset. The mind is what controls everything. That's the most powerful tool. And then that kind of led me into, I'm training all these NBA players and just blessed to have some, like, there was a moment I had like 27 NBA studs in the gym in the summer in Santa Monica playing pickup. And like, if I would have looked at it, I'd be like, this is my dream. This is great. But I, I, I didn't feel fulfilled. I literally like felt exhausted, worn out. Was, was dreading waking up, going to the gym the next morning. But I realized I love not, not the X's and O's or teaching somebody a step back jumper, but I loved encouraging. I love seeing these players get encouraged in their mission, encouraged in their improvements. I'm like, well, I, I love doing this part of it. Like, why don't I do this for other people? It's not just NBA players that like encouragement that love that, that can benefit from this. So that kind of just like continues to lead to the next thing, to writing books to speaking. And there's some crazy stories that go into that of how I actually got like everything in my life has been just reaching out to people, just taking shots, taking random shots. Yeah. Most of them miss, majority of them miss, but some of them, one of them will stick. And it works. How do you do that? Like, cause somebody's listening right now and they're going, the idea of taking a lot of shots makes me stressed out or nervous or anxious. So, and that's start. I mean, your story started with 32 shots to, you know, general managers, how do you get over that fear of I'm going to take a hundred shots and four are going to hit and those are going to turn into things that are lifelong relationships and there's other things that come out of it, but like 90, how do you get rid of the sting of the 96 or the fear of the 96 that don't hit? Even if I take these shots in all of them, let's say I take a hundred shots, all of them miss. I'm at the same exact spot I'm at right now. Like there's no, I, I can't really go backwards. And so I, I just, I love it as a game. Like even doing a, a TED, TEDx talk recently, I've probably reached out to like a thousand TEDx posts. No, one person got, literally one person got back to me. And he said, it's like, we never do this. We never take people who reach out to us, but I like your story. We're going to do this. And that's just value add. Like if it didn't happen, I'd be totally okay. So these risks that seem scary, these rejections, they're not really rejections. And I've got some tools to be able to do that. Like one of my favorite ones is a 17 second rule of our mind. So I developed this through when I was training NBA players individually on court. There's a lot of times those guys don't want to work out. Like they don't just like live to work out in the off season when there's nobody watching. And I'd take a stopwatch and I'd start it, see how long it took for them to actually get in the flow of it, to know that, okay, even when they didn't feel like doing it, they were going to be okay. 17 seconds was about the time, whether it's in the weight room or whether it was on court. Mm. So our mind, I call it mental dictatorship. It only takes 17 seconds 
to start something to know that we're going to be okay. Like you step in an ice cold shower. The first 17 seconds, they suck. I do it every single morning. But after that, you're good. You start working out. First rep, first two reps, they're not that fun. But after that, you're fine. So knowing that your mind can overcome things in 17 seconds, you pick up the phone to make a cold call. Like nobody wants to make a cold call. Nobody wants to really make sales calls. They don't want that rejection. 17 seconds and then you're getting in the flow. So that's one of my tools for it. What are some okay. other tools that you've you've seen? Because I love that the stuff you teach is there's high level to it. There's MBA level to it as far as performance, but it's also relatable as far as I'm a single mom. I've got something I'm working on. There's something I want to build. So what are some other tools that you would say, you know what, John, because that's what's unique about you. Or one of the things is I've worked with high performers, these 150 NBA players, coaches, CEOs, all that. And here's some tools that I've seen really successful people use. And here's how the person who might be feeling right now, like, well, I'm not an NBA player. I'm not a CEO. Um, how did they use them? Yeah, totally. So, so the, one of the reasons that I do these, these tools, they're simple tools, is because I'm not smart enough to talk over anybody's head. Like, I couldn't just talk so elegantly that you won't be able to know what I'm talking about. So I have to create these simple tools. So I'll give you a few of my favorite ones. So one of my favorite ones, and one of the biggest things that I see for just people in general, and it can also be for high-level athletes, is when our days get going, it's hard to stop. It's hard to be self-aware. It's hard to, like, literally stop in the moment because we become so overwhelmed. There's so much going on. There's so much pressure on us. But one of the best things is just snapping your fingers. So just a snap of your fingers is a physical cue. It's a trigger that's going to allow your mind to think snap, okay? So snap stands for stop. So let's say my day's going crazy, like mm-hmm. I'll snap my fingers. Stop, okay? Notice, the N is notice, so I notice what's going on. Like what the surroundings, the situation, I assess. The A is the assess. I'm assessing the situation. Well, why am I feeling like this? Why is it? Why is there dishes just piled up here? Why is there kids screaming all over the place? And I assess the situation, how I got to this point. And then I simply P, pivot, which is just a small turn in perspective. It's not a huge drastic change, small turn in perspective that can change your entire perspective. So that snap allows me to stop, notice, assess, pivot. One of my favorite tools for self-awareness or players in games, I have them do this where they'll just, it'll slow the game down, slow their mindset down. Another one you can use in the same aspect is a Q word, where you have a word that you continue to say over and over and over again that kicks you back into the self-confident person that you are. For me, it's relentless. That's one of my favorite words, or unshakable I'll use. Like if I'm on stage, and I'm, I've literally seen this, John. Like I've, I've done a talk, it was for a, a YPO group, and the guy, you know YPO, like all yeah. those big business up like the guy was drawing stick figures and I could see him drawing stick figures while I'm giving this presentation. And like, I was like, Oh man, unshakable, unshakable. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like I'll say these keywords. So those are a couple during the day type of things or during the moments, um, really big on, on how you start your day. Yeah. What are your, like you mentioned cold shower. So I have to imagine that there's like, five other things, 10 other things. There's other things you're doing. Like I'm really, I I'm really deliberate about ideas. Like I have an idea, like gathering system. I like, I curate ideas. Like the reason I've, I've had, you know, my ninth book will come out this year is because I'm deliberate about that. I have a system. 
What are some of the other things that if we were following you around in the day, like we did a a David Nurse documentary, we would be like, oh man, that's different. Or the way he does his car or the music he listens to, or like the time he goes to bed, like give us the five things to like, these are in the word weird is the wrong word, but somebody would look at some of the stuff I do and be like, it's weird to have a chart of the hours you've put into a book on your wall. That's fine. This is my ninth book. Like if you've written 10 books, let's talk about what's working for you. But otherwise, like I'm going to stick with the chart. What were like the five weird David nurse things? That's interesting. You say that about the chart. I saw you post about that. I was like, man, that's good. I've got to do that. Yeah. I love it. It's been helpful. It's it's demystified the process of writing a book. Yeah. So for me, that, that cold shower in the morning, I start my morning off with that. That's part of the reason of like the 17 seconds or I know I'm going to go through something yep. I don't want to do. I can get through something, anything through the rest of my day. So it starts off with that ice cold shower. Now, that morning time is so important to me. It is worship music. I'm playing worship music. Mm-hmm. I'm making my coffee slow. What time I, do you get up? What time do you get up in the morning? Uh, it's usually 630. Okay. If, if I had my way, it'd be 5, 5.30, and I'd go to bed at 9.30 or 10. But my wife is a complete opposite. She's, yeah, when you would you I see know. your wife? Like, that's what I always tell people. Like, when they're like, they try to tell me you should get up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. Like, oh, you must not have kids you love. Like, stop <laughs> it. Stop it. Because I have teenagers. My 17-year-old wakes up at 9.30 at night. You know, like, she wants to talk. She wants to connect. I can't imagine, like, if I said to her, hey, I'm sorry you had a stressful day, but I'm trying to keep a schedule so I can hustle. Like, Get out of um, here, dude. So that's that's so good you hit that point because I do want to talk about that. Like people get so into these morning routines or I've got to hit these things to have a great day. Like habits are great, but you can also die the death slowly to the sort of habits where you become dependable on them. Habits are supposed to be things that can just help enhance your day. Like you're going to miss. The greatest baseball players in history are batting what? Like 300, three out of yep. 10. So they're missing seven times. So if you don't hit every single thing in your morning routine, if you don't like, it doesn't have to be like, hey, put apple cider vinegar with this and this and this. <laughs> yeah, or, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, it makes it drives me nuts. So just yeah. have your staples that you do. But for me, it's that worship time with the coffee, and then I'll spend five minutes just by myself. I guess try it's time when I try to talk to God or listen. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it's more times my mind's wandering about what I'm going to eat for dinner that night. But I open up that space and and. I'll have a, a devotional or something I'm going through, usually about 20, 30 minutes. But I just want, no matter what, I want to give my first little bit of time in the day to God. Mm-hmm. And that's like the biggest game changer that I've ever done. Now, I have some other things that I'll do during the day. Like I'll take a, a halftime. I think this is really this has really helped me a lot too because it helps. Like there's a reason there's halftime in sports where they'll mm-hmm. take a break and They'll talk, they'll assess the first half. Well, how'd it go? Okay, yeah, oh, this didn't work. Oh, this was great. And now I'm able to game plan for the second half. Like the days that I don't take halftime, here's what I do, John. I'm on email. Oh, okay, wait for another email. Oh, oh, I'll check another email. And then at the end of the day, the tailor asked me what I did that day. I was like, really didn't do anything that really actually mattered. Yeah. So that's, that's a big so good. halftime. And then we'll, me and Taylor always have what we call closing time. So we'll know when we're shutting down. We don't have kids yet, so it's just me and her. But like, we'll we'll know like, okay, is it five thirty today? Is it six o'clock? We want to be on the same page with that because the worst thing that can happen. We went like we went through this for a little bit of. We were both together, but we weren't actually together. We'd be on our phones, we'd be texting, we'd be scrolling social media. Like we'll shut them down. We'll put them on airplane mode, and okay, we're gonna spend time, 
but we're going to spend intentional time. So the halftime is really important. The closing time is really important. I do the tallies also with what I call the big three. So I'll start the big three in the evening where I'll have three things. Like I know when I wake up the next morning after my, after my quiet time, after my workout that I do, I know these three things that if I pour a little bit into these three things, I'm going to move the needle long term. It could be like, okay, t- today's podcasting day. All right. I have a speech I got to prepare for. Okay. I, I got to get this final part of this book written here. So I have those three things that I focus on. And then at the end of the day, I assess them like, okay, did I do anything here? If not, like, that's totally cool. They're going to be leftovers for tomorrow or I'll add something new on there. But I don't want to overwhelm it and have 62 things on my to-do list and like feel like I'm overwhelmed. And man, I just like, I hate, I hate notifications and having like way too many things going. So hopefully I that, that answers your question. I love halftime, dude. Halftime is fantastic. That That reminds me like some of you've worked with a ton of basketball players who like who that you've worked with is so dialed in we are like you know like a kobe level of focus or like because you because i would say like what's interesting is 20 years ago 30 years ago like nba players didn't even work out with weights like they were like you would see random dudes like dan marley and be like that guy has guns like thunder dan like and then jordan started working out with weights when the pistons were beating him up and like he got in with tim grover like who that you worked with that you're like, oh man, they are like, they're measuring the matcha green powder every morning. And they're so like, cause that's what yeah. I think like Brady, Tom Brady, there's not an off season. Like, it's like, yeah. no, like the way you say it's just game who, and an NBA player you've worked with is dialed in like that. Yeah. So there's a few of them that come to my mind. One being Kyle Korver I actually grew up with him in Pella, Iowa, right down the road from, but Kyle Korver was so dialed in to his elite strength shooting three-pointers, and everything revolved around how he could get the best workouts. I mean, he was the matcha green tea kind of guy. He was the... In high school, he was already, like in college? Like when No, in in the NBA. I mean, yeah, he started developing it late in college, but he is... I'll tell the story in talks on how important it is to focus on your strengths. Like, dude is, like, less athletic than me, can't really even dribble. He dribbles off his foot in workouts. But he had a gift to shoot threes, and all he focused on was shooting threes, shooting threes. Instead of trying to do everything good, he did one thing great, made over $100 million in the NBA. So it's it's crazy. But he would be – we'd do shooting workouts, and he'd be like, David, watch. Make sure I'm shooting every shot exactly the same way, robotic. And, like, dude is unbelievable. And, and I talked to him afterwards, like, yeah, I think you did everything the same. He's like, no, 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 this little detail, this one. Other. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, his attention to detail was phenomenal. Jeremy Lin was like that too. Jeremy Lin was in everything in his life was just locked in. He had it on schedule. He would hit it on point. Like even if he's on the road on vacation, he's trying to get some kind of workout thing in and mental space. Norm Powell for the Clippers is just unbelievable on just, he's got to have his routine, his process and his process. He's really like, He's a big teaching point on how important it is to focus on your process and not the results. If you focus on your results, the points per game, the accolades that you get, they'll never happen if you just focus on those. But if you fully pour into your process, your system, who you are, your process, your daily habits, it equals results. So he was monotonous on that. Uh, That's a good word too. Monotonous monotonous is a good word to describe that. Because I think we want it to be exciting and success is often very, very boring. Like the work it takes, like is like, and you have to 
bring the passion through that segment because it's not going to be exciting when you're alone oh, in your cow corver and you're shooting a thousand shots and nobody sees that. I'll give you the formula how I know within five minutes when I stepped on the floor with an NBA player and we started a workout, I knew if they had potential to be an all-star based on this alone. Really? One, <laughs> okay, let's oh, go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I worked with so many guys. I could tell, like, and it was starting to work. Like, now all-stars or all-star level, you got to get the votes too. Yeah. But so you have to have an extreme elite skill, a talent, and know what it is. Like Kyle, the shooting threes, you have to know what it is. So you have to have that talent. The second one is what I call insatiable drive. So this was the difference between if I had to tell a player, here's when we're going to work out, here's when you have to be at the gym, like let's go work out, not going to happen. If oh, wait, if, you, if they didn't own it, like if you had to be the babysitter or the scheduler or the versus them going, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. Is that what you're saying? Yep. It's, the, it's what I call, do I drag you to the gym? Or do you drag me to the gym? Oh, come on, dude. That's so good. When you drag me to the gym, like, yeah, I know you have it. And then it is the relentless consistency in the unseen hours. I know that's a long one, but it's a consistency every single rep, every single workout, when nobody's watching, when it's the summertime and nobody else yeah. is in the gym, when it's literally with this guy, Domantas Sabonis, who's an all-star, when he came out during COVID and he'd already made max deal money, but we got in this raggedy gym where the hoops were falling down at 7 a.m. every single morning. Nobody knew about it. He wasn't posting about it on social media, but every single day with relentless consistency. Those three, that's the formula to an all-star. And you can use that in business, like the same type of thing. What are you putting in? Do you have a skill? Like, are you the one putting in those extra hours? Are you, do you, are you passionate about it? And do you care if it's a limelight? Do you care if you're getting the accolades? Are you relentlessly consistent in who you are? Oh, that's good. Because you you hear that. I think it was Larry Hearns, the box, boxer, who said it's hard to get up at 5 a.m. for training when you're sleeping on silk sheets. And that was essentially saying once you've got the big deal, like what you've got the thing, the backside is the accolade can actually dissuade you from doing it. If you've always said that as soon as I get the accolade, that's why you see like contracts that are bad where you go, they paid that player $100 million and they fell off. They're like, yeah, because yeah. they just wanted the $100 million. And as soon as they got it, they didn't, they didn't do the work. I, I love that. So only two more questions and they're super, they're super easy ones. One, <laughs> what would you say is like your Mount Rushmore of nonfiction books that you love? Like, and there's two ways to answer this question. Cause sometimes I say what's on the Mount Rushmore and that people go, oh, I can't think of four. So if you can think of four, awesome. But if you can't, like, what's a book you've given away more than any other, other than your own, you've got pivot and go, you've got yep. breakthrough, like, yep. when it comes to nonfiction, what, what's on your kind of list of the list? Totally. And I think I give these books away more than I give away my own books because I, I think they're better. <laughs> Essentialism, yeah. Essentialism by Greg McCowan, unbelievable book. Talent Code, The Talent Code, Daniel Coyle. He also wrote The Culture Code, two phenomenal books. Okay. Here's the best. No, I'll give you one before I give you the best one. Oh, build um, up. Let's go. Build up. Build up. The Captain's Class by Sam Walker. Phenomenal book. Never heard of it. Never heard oh, of it. John is good. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I'll write it's, it down uh, right now. Captain's Class. Great, like, yeah, I don't know how some of these authors get these incredible behind-the-scenes stories like they do. Like, half yeah. the time I'm like, is that actually true? How did you get that access? Yeah. yeah. This is phenomenal. That in the best one, probably my favorite book outside of the Bible, all time, 
is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unreal. I've read it, listened to it like 16 times, just so like we don't have to hurry in this life. It's really, it's not a race. I love that. Those are all, those are four answers nobody's given before. And I've asked a bunch of people that question. So congrats. Because sometimes like people feel stuck and I think they feel like they have to, they just kind of make up books. But often if you say like, what have you given away? You're like, oh, like Strength to Strength is a book I've given people. And and that's a book that is phenomenal. Or like The Dip by Seth Godin, like that one I've given away. So it's, it's yep. fun to think through books you've actually given away. Last question. This one is the easiest one of the entire one. I mean, we started with, could you teach me how to dunk? And woof, I thought your answer was going to be no. And it was in fact, no. Um, where can people find out more about you? Uh, website, davidnurse.com, social media. I think every day, every handle is either David nurse or David nurse NBA. My podcast, which we're going to have you on right after this is the David nurse show. And, uh, or you can come out here. There's a place called Air One that's really, really healthy food, way too bougie, way too expensive, but the hot bar is great here in Los Angeles. And maybe you'll catch me there when you kick it. <laughs> is that where you go the most? Is that, do you eat the most there or something? Like, what are you, are you an I, investor? What do you, no one's uh, ever, no one, I've never asked somebody that question. They've been like, also, there's a really good restaurant. Like, are you an investor? You know what? I wish I was. You should it's be. Kind of, it's kind of a funny running joke because it's like it is the grocery store that it's it's like Whole Foods on steroids. Uh. It's even healthier, but it's the most expensive per item store. So you never buy groceries there. But the hot bar is so good. I used to take all my NBA <laughs> players there. The funniest thing, John, is I would I social media like the Instagram stories. I'd post, boom, post, and you could look at like a running list of probably like a thousand shout outs. And then on the thousand and one, they hit me back like, "Oh, thank you for supporting." I was like, "Oh, I'm <laughs> can I get a deal? Can I get a deal?" Keep no posting. deal, dude. No deal. No deal. When you're that good, you don't give deals. When you're, yeah. it's, it's, it's it's like Lululemon. I've reached out to them multiple times. Like, can I get a sponsorship? We're no. Lululemon. We don't need you, bro. They're doing all right. I have two teenage daughters. Lululemon is doing just fine, dude. They are crushing i love that that is so funny man i love it i'm looking forward to being on your podcast david it was a blast to get to hang out with you um thanks for doing it man i appreciate it and you know what thank you for pouring into me i remember i was i was at my i think i was at my parents house visiting them and i got a text from you that said man i've just seen you encouraging people it's really really cool to see something along the lines of just encouraging other people and it meant a lot to me. So, oh, thanks. awesome, dude. Yeah, I'm glad we're connected via text. It's I'm like you. Encouraging people is super fun, and it's fun yeah. to encourage people that are encouraging people. So that was that was my honor to get to do that. Um, love what you're doing. The books again, Pivot and Go, and Breakthrough. Um, follow David Nurse on all the socials, and we'll make sure we have all the links and everything. So, David, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to my interview today with David Nurse. We'll put all the links in the show notes as always. And thank you for reviewing my podcast. The reviews you write are super encouraging. So please keep those coming. Please make sure you follow or subscribe or whatever the kids are saying these days about podcasts. And please write a review. I'll see you next week. And remember, all it takes is a goal. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the All It Takes is a Goal podcast and to get access to today's show notes and exclusive content from John Acuff, visit
www.me slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the All It Takes is a Goal podcast. <laughs>